Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I'm really excited to have on Dasi Zar. She is a doula, yoga instructor, and she's also known as the Barry Mama because she and her husband run a program at Chabad Barry for students and they teach them all about spirituality, Torah, just growing up, all that good stuff. And she was so gracious to sit down with me and answer some questions that I kind of personally have been um, wondering and dealing with certain situations and I wanted her input. So this is like kind of a bit personal as well. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope and I know you will because she is such an eloquent speaker and she's so much insight and wisdom. And if you have any questions after this episode, feel free to reach out. Way. Did you like? There were questions? really tough questions. Like I had, I didn't, I honestly didn't I have know. a chance to look at it until ten thirty. But um, I feel like that's always the best because you just have to be as uh, like you don't have time to overthink it. So, um, yeah. but yeah, great questions. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like who is Dasi? Sure. Sure. Bio, please. So Dasi Zar is. Hadassah um, is Asal, born, um, actually I was born in Iran, and mm. my family came way after the revolution. My parents were here, and then they went back, and then they, I don't need to go that far back, do I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, though, that they came back. Yeah, so we lived in Jersey until I was 12, and then we moved to Great Neck. Um, I grew up in a pretty traditional home, um, not super religious, like definitely kept high holidays and um, there was a God consciousness, but um, nothing that I could, you know, tangibly hold on to. Um, But I did know that like I had to marry Jewish, like that was something that my parents always very much instilled in me and I remember getting to Mm -hmm. an age where I was like why like that why do I even need to do that um yeah I think I was probably more rebellious than your average Persian girl I was I definitely didn't um I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that I was I came to Great Neck a little bit later in the game and wasn't Mm, so confined to the box of like these are my people um right so Anyways, I started to become interested in spirituality and Jewish mysticism when I was 17, 18. The truth is, it wasn't something that came from me. It was introduced. Um, I had someone in my life who I was lucky enough to have to have, and still have who sort of opened my eyes to just seeing a bigger picture and thinking about meaning mm-hmm. and purpose. And that led me on my life journey. Um, And I remember my senior year of high school, just having this, this um, understanding that I needed to spend some time like exploring um, who I was as a person before going to college and, and figuring out my nine to five. And so Mm -hmm. it was really like my, it wasn't like a logical thing at all. It didn't really make any sense it was much more of like this feeling and this, you could say it was my soul. It was my 
it was my intuition. I just, it was something that just spoke to me and I felt that I needed to do some exploring. So I did, I went to Israel. I spent some time in spot and I studied there and eventually came back, went to, I studied at FIT. I studied production management for fashion design. I, I studied, um, studied there and all the while I was continuing to explore my Jewish roots um, and feeling really connected to um, the Hasidic movement, the movement of the Baal Shem Tov, and just Hasidus in general. Um, I felt very, very mm-hmm. close to Chabad Hasidu. Um, I would often go to the Ohel. I don't know if you've ever been there in Queens. I have. I was just there a few days there ago. There you go. It's like one of the, I feel like mm-hmm. it's one of the, like the, the Kotel and the Ohel are like center points for, mm-hmm. for the Jewish people. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I would spend a lot of time there just like, I don't, I don't really know what I was doing there. It was so, I felt so, mm-hmm. in a way, it was, I was so out of place because I completely didn't fit that, the person that would be going. Right. But it just felt, it mm-hmm. also just felt like home. Um, so I spent a lot of time there just thinking, reading, and um exploring and I, I'm also a yoga instructor during that mm-hmm. time um, I did my certification in Hatha yoga and um, also was really interested in meditation and mindfulness and I eventually also became a doula a childbirth educator um, I taught hypnobirthing which is self-hypnosis during childbirth amazing yeah it's really really powerful stuff um and it really is aligned with so much of um like my the beliefs that I had built around my Judaism of you know where your mind is is really like it really affects your body and really affects um where you're at and how you show up so everything kind of just gelled together, but I had, I also felt very fragmented because I had all these different parts of myself and I was just like, this is like, how do I, how do I string all of these pieces of myself together? So I really struggled with that a lot actually, because I wasn't one of those people who had this very clear straight path. Like I always Mm -hmm. thought like my brother, you know, he, he, you know, he went to NYU and he studied law and he was very, and he also became right. more observant, but like, it was much more of this like clear straight path. And for me, I was like kind of grabbing from all these different places and I found it a little bit challenging to like, even like share with people who I was because it was like, there were so many things that I was interested oh, in. Um, but it eventually came together. So anybody who feels that way, like, it's okay. <laughs> so you feel like a lot of other like, young women feel like that? Do you, Have you, like, spoken to other girls and, like, you're like, oh, well, I connect to that. I felt like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think there is a personality type that's kind of like a jack of all trades or just a little mm-hmm. bit more fluid in what the interests are. And I explored all of those things because I was just like, I need to find out, like, what I need to be doing and what makes me tick right. and it was, I'm definitely like somebody that likes to connect with people and hold space and mm-hmm. um, is interested in growth and um, 
So, yeah, I mean, all of those things helped me to kind of eventually all of those things sort of helped me to be who I am today. I've integrated a lot of those things in, in what I do today, which my husband and I live on the Lower East Side and we mm-hmm. co-run the Chabad of the Bowery and Kila Satid, which is the young professional community. So we have an undergraduate community downtown where we serve NYU, Baruch, Hunter. We have some Pace students, Yeshiva University in Stern. <laughs> um, and we have a young professional community as well. Um, and so, like, our life is really dedicated to serving the Jewish people. We feel very lucky and blessed to be a part of the Chabad House here with Rabbi Korn and Sarah Korn um, and their incredible family. Um, and my husband's also in technology, um, and mm-hmm. he has a tech startup, which also operates out of Soho. And so... Nice. You're close to everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. Pretty so that's sort of where we're at now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. So do you think, do you think um, being in charge and like leading people at Chabad is probably like one of your life's purpose? purposes part of um, it do you really feel fulfilled doing it I, like you're yeah. here to serve people yeah I mean I I it was definitely a dream that I had when I was starting my journey into becoming more oh, observant amazing. but it was a dream that I really had to let go of because it wasn't something that really um, manifested until years and years and years later so while it was something that I was, mm. I always dreamt of, um, it just, you know, I, it didn't really make sense at that time. It kind right. of like the dream preceded like the practical, what it, what, what it would actually right. take. You had to grow into exactly. it. You had to grow into it. You weren't there yet. Exactly. And when I met my husband, you know, mm-hmm. he joked and was like, you know, I'm sure this is something you want to do, but like, <laughs> I'm a business guy. Like that's probably not where our life is going to interesting so he yeah he did he did and at the time it was like I was at a stage of my life where I had already learned the lesson of like you know not fully it's not that I had let go of this dream but I kind of had because Mm -hmm. I had evolved into just understanding that okay I'm I'm going to move forward and what shows up and what works and what will make sense and I I can still be engaged Mm -hmm. in in that way at a certain capacity. And right. um, it's funny because my husband and I ended up leading a birthright trip and, and he, we came back and he was just like, we like, we need to, we need, need to, to like figure out how to engage in this area more. And I was like, what are you talking Amazing. about? Like, it was something Love that it. I completely like put on hold and just kind of had to put behind me in a big way. And yeah, I mean, things aligned and um, at, at the same simultaneously, very close friends connected us to the corns who I actually knew when I was a senior in high school. Like I had a relationship with, with them already small world for a long time because they were at NYU and my best friend went to NYU, my brother went to NYU. So I, I had already known mm-hmm. who they were and I had spent a lot of time with them. Um, and they, and I had even sent couples to, to them thinking that like, oh, this might be a cool couple for them to, you know, work with downtown. I never thought that it would be my husband and I eventually. And, and we, were, we were living in Boston at the time and we had really built 
moved there um, mm-hmm. and we weren't planning to leave. And um, we, we ended up, Ra- Rabbi Korn and my husband got together and it just mm-hmm. kind of like everything sort of um, they just fell in love. Yeah, everything sort of <laughs> came together. And I was in complete denial about it. I mean, we literally moved to the East Village and mm-hmm. I was in complete den- denial that it was happening because I was like, unless you're going to drag me there, I'm not going to like, right. I'm not going to, I don't want to like feel the pain of like being here and like it not be a reality. Like it was, it was, it was also right. scary to me that like, whoa, something that I had really dreamt of for so long was actually um, coming together. So it was, it was pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. So you're kind of like a man, you're a manifest. Yeah, you think so? I think so, but you would have to do the human design to find out. It definitely took time. It definitely took time. I Mm -hmm. think that it's also like a Capricorn thing. Like you're kind of focused Mm -hmm. on something and you're just kind of patient with it. And, you know, it it, it will eventually surface if you allow it to, but it needs to come in its own way. So it definitely came in its own way. And I will just say that like, when you get married, you've learned this about like men in general, like you might know mm-hmm. something and it might be so clear as day to you, but right. for a man, it just takes longer for them to come full circle. And yeah. <laughs> I think that that was something that happened for us. It was like, no, like we are going to do this one day, but like it needs to kind of come from you, you know? So I mm-hmm. kind of just gave it its space to, surface on its own and it did so thank god amazing so that was basically the turning point for your husband the birthday trip that's when he realized that this is something together that you could do and that you could fulfill like a purpose in your life yeah he definitely felt um more connected to this we had we always shared this goal because I think mm. just like both of us being Balchubas, we didn't grow up religious and we connected very much to Chabad right. and the model of Chabad is very much oriented towards other and, and other and, people yeah, and supporting the yeah. Jewish people and living a lifestyle that is what, what that's, you know, inspired and engaged and engaged in the world and not being afraid of the world. And so when we, when we experienced this birthright trip together and just started connecting with young Jews who were, who were really like, awesome and amazing and like thirsty for spirituality and Jewish spirituality. Right. We, he, it just like woke up a part of himself that was familiar to him. So it did really make sense. So is that something you'd recommend go on birthright and find like your purpose <laughs> in your husband's case? But what would you tell other girls who are kind of stuck they're, They don't really know where they're going. Right. Um, what would you yeah, say? Purpose is, um, uh, interesting thing that I've thought a lot about. I think it's unrealistic mm-hmm. to know exactly what your life's purpose is because, you know, why your soul comes down into the world is just, it's supposed to be hidden from us. And right. what exactly your soul needs to accomplish in this incarnation is the whole reason why we're here. So for us to know what yes. the purpose of your soul is it just kind of defeats the entire purpose of you coming into this world for 70 80 120 years so and there's multiple purposes right like we can't really just have one it's all like intertwined with our relationships and the situations and everything that we experience so yeah 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 
Yeah, so exactly. So I think understanding your purpose is exactly what you said, is being present with, Mm -hmm. you know, what themes show up for you in your life, in your relationships, in your thoughts, in your speech, in your interactions. And I think the goal is to then couple that with asking, well, what does Hashem want from me? And aligning those two things and exploring that space to really up-level and accomplish your soul's purpose in the world. But it's constantly, it, it, I, you know, you don't really choose your purpose. Your purpose really chooses you. you don't. Exactly. And, you just choose the, the different people who kind of help you get there or like realize. Right. And is, also like I your think. response. So, you know, the question is yes, how willing are you and how available are you to embracing that which is coming up for you. And most of us resist that yeah. because our purpose is often tied to the parts of us that haven't been developed. And so it's scary and it's not mm-hmm. fun to work those muscles. So we resist and we resist yeah. and we resist until we're cornered. And hopefully, hopefully we have the courage to, Strength, courage, you know, yeah. to, to be open to what it is. And when we do, we realize that those are our biggest professors and those are our treasure chests of, um, of, you know, of, of how we're supposed to become the best version of ourselves. Love that. Well, said. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a big question. I think this is probably like the hardest one that I sent you. I've been thinking about it a lot, but do you think it's important or like helpful for a woman to know um, before finding somebody like what her, like why she's here or what her like quote unquote purpose or what she's supposed to accomplish. Yeah. So uh, do you think I it mean, helps? I definitely think it's helpful to know yourself and mm-hmm. to, to be able to identify what your, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, all that stuff. But, um, Again, I think that it's knowing your purpose in this world, like that's, that's going to be ever changing, whether you find your partner, right. or you don't find your partner, or you have your career path, or you don't have your career path, your soul is going to mm-hmm. go on a journey and it's right. going and, and the purpose is to rectify the things that it needs to rectify. And so I think what's most yeah. important is to be able to at least position yourself in a way that um, open to what shows up, learning how mm-hmm. to have a relationship with Hashem, trusting Hashem, trusting that Hashem has a huge, huge dream for you and plan for you and um, knowing that it's divine and beautiful and holy and exceptional and unique and that the world is waiting for you to, you know, bust through those, those, um, those, those bumps in the road that, that, that come your way. Right. So I think I think it's being yeah. present with um, what what's showing up. I don't think you necessarily have to know, you know, a exactly purpose, right? the details of, you know, you should, you know, it, part of life is just, you know, maybe figuring out what your desires are, what gives you pleasure, what makes you feel fulfilled, and that's different for everybody, mm-hmm. and that's what makes that's what colors your personality. But um, I think I think. Um, starting to come into God consciousness and, um, and connecting with your, you know, your soul tribe is, is definitely something that helps. 
with finding purpose and meaning. Soul tribe. That leads to my next question, soul tribe. So um, how often or like when do you think you should seek other people's approval or advice when it comes to like being with somebody, like dating them, like dating obviously for marriage? Are these people for the greater good of the relationship or are they there to test and like be negative, just test you and they probably they're probably negative and not saying the best thing. So like, when do you, do you advise people to seek out like advice or guidance, or do you think that they should keep it more to themselves and just follow their gut and their, um, and be mindful? Yeah, it's a great question because it's, it really is like a double-edged sword, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And I think like, I definitely always, um, I I, th- I do think that it's important to have mentors in your life who mm-hmm. you look up to. Um, I, I do think that sometimes we overshare with people that we don't need to be yeah. sharing with and we don't, we, we need to be discriminatory with, you know, what we bring into our minds and, and our hearts. Um, oh, wow. And so yes. I think that it's okay to have healthy boundaries around who we receive advice from and who we receive guidance from. Mm-hmm. And we should be mindful that, you know, the things that people say, whether we want to be affected by it or not, they affect us. And so it is important to, it is important to have some healthy, healthy boundaries. So I think, I think it's twofold. I think it's, yeah, it's important to find um, your people who can, who have your best interest in mind, who care about you, who love you, um, who will be, who will also be, I mean, there's a term for it. It's called a mashpia, somebody who will who won't be biased, mm-hmm. who will be, um, who, who will, will, will really be like a springboard and a sounding board um, for you to, to be the best version of yourself. And it, they don't have a hidden right. agenda. It's not about them. And I think like in, in Judaism, we have like this concept of like tzaddikim. Tzaddikim are not, are righteous people who, you know, are, they, they don't want to tell you what to do. They just want you to be, right, a, they, yeah. they're more of like a mirror for you to, see inward within yourself so the goal is really to ultimately be able to go inward really what we want to do is to be in touch with our inner gps system that was a big lesson for me in my life of before um you know i met my husband i i was dating Mm. i i did get engaged i broke my engagement and i Mm. and i remember during that process i had a lot of people in my life Mm. who who did care about me and who wanted the best for me. But at the same time, nobody really knew what I was feeling, what I was going through. And I had to learn how to really go inward more than like looking outward. And so I think learning how to be comfortable with your inner voice and turning that volume up is a skill. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there's actually an amazing story that I, that, that I always think of. Um, there was a story of a man, his name was, I think he, I think he was a doctor. His name was Dr. Weinreb and he lived in Maryland and he was going through mm-hmm. a, a, a crisis in his life and he was having a lot of inner challenges and he felt extremely depressed and he was a, he was still in his younger years. He was married with maybe a couple of kids and was just feeling extremely mm-hmm. challenged. And somebody had encouraged him to, call the Lubavitcher Rebbe and, or to meet the Lubavitcher uh-huh. Rebbe. And he, he, he didn't for a while. And eventually he decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to, 
I'm in Maryland. I'm not going to be able to make it to Brooklyn. So let me give a call. So he called and the secretary picked up the phone and Mm -hmm. he, he asked a question. He asked a few questions and the secretary, um, um, and he never said his name and the secretary told the Rebbe what, what what this man was asking. And the Rebbe said, you should go and find Wine Reb. He's in Maryland and ask him your questions. And this guy <laughs> on the phone was just like, how did he know? I never said my name. Like, why would he say right. that? And so the secretary understood that this guy was actually Wine Reb and was so shocked. And basically like said to him, like, yeah, if the Reb is telling you that, that that means that you should go, you know, talk to yourself and figure this out. So I always think That's about great. that story because it's like we're we're so we're so accustomed to going outward, right? Everything that we all of yeah. our five senses pull us out of ourselves, and so much of the work mm-hmm. is about going inward and um, having the di- ha- learning how to build an inner dialogue and having a conversation with ourselves about what we feel and what we think, and not being afraid of those thoughts and feelings and and um, operating from that space. Love that story. Yeah, it's a great story. I love it too. Right. <laughs> um, so basically, simply put, like what does spirituality mean to you? You don't have to put it in so many words. Yeah. Um, spirituality has always been a hard word for me. It's like one of the most mm. obscure words. I never really know what it means. Um what, mm-hmm. Like when a person says, I'm spiritual or, you know, right. it's, it's a little because it doesn't have, it doesn't really, it's really um, whatever the person wants to make of it. I do mm-hmm. know that it's a pretty cool word and it sounds trendy and it doesn't sound like religious fanatic-y, which I think feels really right. safe for most people where it's like this happy medium of, you know, connecting to something outside of yourself. But, like, that yeah. can mean anything for anybody. Um, and so, like, it's a cool – it's definitely a cool wor- word. Um, the, the, the challenge, I think, is it because it doesn't really have a clear definition, everyone will sort of define it differently. So um, I, when, mm-hmm. when somebody tells me they're spiritual, then I like to ask, like, what, well, what does that mean to you? Um, because oh, okay. because – it, it is pretty vague, um, but, I mean, it's a beautiful word. I mean, it's great if you feel like there's something beyond yourself, but how does it practically um, – I guess also, like, my hypnobirthing, like, we're very – like, my, my brain works, and, like, words really have very strong um, – they're, they're very powerful. And so the language that we use, it's, it's important to, to, to really be able to tie a – an intention or a, um, a meaning to it. And so mm-hmm. it's harder to, to do that with some of these words that like kind of circulate in our society that sound nice, but like, what do they really mean? Um, so Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not really sure what the word means personally, but I have used the word myself when I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a spiritual mm-hmm. person. I'm, I'm, what does right. that mean? Okay. Like I'm a God conscious person. I'm, um, yeah, and I believe in the oneness. Of I like how you say God conscious and not God fearing. 
Oh, yeah. I like the I like that. Yeah, I mean way that road better. Yeah, definitely. I think like the whole purpose of like our you know our whole our whole system is our whole um I guess like I, I I'm lucky in the sense that maybe because I didn't grow up with with um with religion I really had the opportunity to to pick and choose and and not come in with like a lot of baggage around right and so like I I was always very mindful and thoughtful around which words were worked for me and felt empowering versus like Mm -hmm. felt a little bit like suppressive and so I love that that's so smart yeah and so there is a concept of love and awe right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah totally but I think that um when we're talking about closeness to Hashem it's about it permeating our consciousness and recognizing the oneness that um that is around us and within us so Mm. I just remembered something I was told by somebody that I couldn't call myself spiritual because I'm not religious oh interesting see everybody that's the thing like some people will say, no, I am spiritual and I'm, I'm not religious. And some people will say I'm spiritual, but I'm religious. Like it, that's the thing. Like it's so, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to you? What does right. spirituality mean to you? Is it meditating? Is it, is it about you? Is it about other? Is it about God? Is it so it's, it's about me connecting to people's energy and knowing how they're feeling and just like what's going on like yeah basically connecting to people reading their energy that's what it means to me like first when I think about it Uh because that's how I am spiritual Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I believe in energy right I believe that right now the nine days has this energy and I believe in that right not to travel or do anything so those are the things that I believe in I'm not okay because I'm not necessarily keeping Shabbat or um, whatever that person was doing that they were passing their judgment on me. Right. But I am spiritual and I know I am. And I don't have to say that, oh, I'm religious to be spiritual. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I think that spirituality definitely lends itself to a more flexible, fluid um, uh, uh, type of 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 being versus like when you start to talk about religion then it starts to become like okay there's like laws and restrictions and that's the way people right. associate it with how people generally yeah. associate what it means so I guess like I would feel like maybe I'm a little bit of a hybrid you know like mm. there's I like that it's it's alive and it's bumping and it's emotional and mm-hmm. it's very much connected to me as a human being my heart and right. my mind, my body. Um, at the same time, I I definitely find that the that the Shabbat and the Kashrut and all of those things also help me to hone in on my soul energy powers. So, right. I think that there's space for both, and I think we're coming into an age and an era where we can we can be both of those things. And so often we feel like well, there's the religious people and then there's the spiritual people, you know? Right. And like, yeah. I think that we, we, I think that Hasidut also helps bridge those gaps in a big way because 
we need to be whole oh, people. We we can't leave parts of us at the door when we're when we walk it, you know, at different spaces. I want to. That's true. A lot of people show, do. That. I leave this part at the door when I walk into this person's mm-hmm. event. I leave this part of myself at the door. It's like we need to come into a place where we could be all of ourselves fully and completely mind, body, soul, um, and, and engage all of it. So. Yeah. That's how I felt a lot. Like I would leave part of myself at the door right? when I would enter specific situations or events. Totally. I didn't always feel like I was showing my true self. Right. Right. That feeling of like, well, I'm not enough or I'm not, I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. I'll just say like one thing that I remember really impacted me. I remember I was 17 and I had an internship Mm -hmm. in the city. And at the time I was starting to explore some of my Judaism and I was not dressing modest by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I think it was a hot Mm -hmm. summer day. I was wearing a tube top Mm -hmm. and bell bottoms because they were like really trendy and in at the time. Um, (laughs) And platforms and I was just like and at the same time though I like felt really connected to like learning Torah and I remember calling the Chabad of Midtown and I was like so like I know you guys have this Parsha class happening um like would it be okay if I dropped in and I remember I'm still in touch with her to this day Hani Paris was like yeah of course you can come for sure I was like, well, she's like, come on in. Come I was on like, well, in. There's just one little issue. I was like, well, not really like dressed <laughs> for sure. Like, I didn't wear that right. I put that wardrobe on today. Like, I, you know, I, I kind of missed the memo. And she was like, don't worry at all. Like, this is you can come however way you're dressed. Just feel comfortable and come. Wow. And I remember that really left such a big imprint on me that like. I was just accepted and fully embraced for who I was, where I was, didn't feel like I needed to change. And like, it was really, the ball was in my court to, to, to do what was right for me. And I didn't feel any sense of pressure or agenda to like make me something else. I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it really at the time. That's the way it should be done. Yeah. And that's the way it should be done. Yeah, so I really try to lead with that because mm-hmm. I know how powerful it was for me and how much it, me- it helped me to just feel accepted. Um, and that actually, that allowed me to just evolve on my own. And like we know that about any kind of growth, right? Even in yoga, if you push yourself beyond your endurance edge when you're mm-hmm. not quite ready, you can really hurt yourself. And so like right. that process needs yeah, to just happen absolutely. organically. Um, so yeah, it was a big, it was, it was, um, really cool. Yeah. That's so nice. I bet like uh, first she's thinking, <laughs> oh, like she's probably not coming in too bad. Right. She's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So where do you see yourself in five years in terms of your spiritual growth? I mean, do you know yet or not really? It's, it's so hard to. It's, that it was, I was like thinking of that. I see myself as God willing, a mother, as a wife, as a community builder, a student, God, a teacher, um, and really just being present with what shows up. And I think that the spiritual journey will continue to evolve. And my, hopefully my God consciousness will continue to evolve because I'll be pushed in ways that I, you know, I'm not being pushed today, but we're constantly being, um, you know, pressed in different 
areas that are, uh, you know, not so comfortable. And I hope that I can just remain open to being pushed into right. spaces that are not my comfort zone Great um, and just trust, trust in, in the process, trust in Hashem and, and be joyful. I think it's so important to step into joy and positivity um, and positivity. Yeah. That's really totally. it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Where can everyone find you if they want to, you know, so I have, I'm on Instagram. Um, my, my <laughs> handle is Bowery mama. Cause I live on, I live. Yeah. When I moved down to the Bowery, <laughs> so Bowery mama. Yeah. Thank you okay. so Thank much. Thank you, Dossie. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So happy I could be part of it and of good course. luck with everything. Okay. Love. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. Bye. 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 You too.